This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman, former beat reporter for the Washington Commanders, pre- and post-game host on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. That's Logan Paulson, played 10 years tight end in the NFL, analyst for the Commanders as well. And uh, first and foremost, I uh, appreciate everybody hanging out and sticking with us after we missed the pod on Thursday. Unfortunately, um, had a death in the family on my side of things and had to get up to New York quickly for a funeral. So um, some of you listening uh, on Wednesday's show on the Team 980 may have heard me pen what was essentially a goodbye letter to my uncle, um, and he unfortunately did pass away on Wednesday night. So I uh, appreciate everybody who's, who sent well wishes and, and all the support from Logan, you, and everybody at, at the Odyssey Sports family and letting us get through Thursday without having worry about a pod uh, but very very happy to be back so uh let's talk some ball we got otas to talk about um but first logan before we get into otas and we're gonna get deep into otas um obviously most media is there just on one day logan because of his role with the team and working uh with their media stuff uh gets to get a little bit more access so we will take yeah. full advantage of logan's eyes and ears and everything that he's able to see out there over the full course of the workouts last week um but the biggest story right now, Logan, and we're going to get a lot deeper into this with some guests coming up. John Kime, Michael Phillips have already said they're going to come on the pod. Um, I think Kime might even come on on Thursday unless his schedule gets messed up. So yeah. uh, obviously everyone can, can look forward to that. But the schedule thing – or sorry, not the schedule thing. The stadium thing has really taken its, its spot atop kind of the storylines of, of everything around this team right now. And it's really interesting to watch because for years – the general consensus was this is the Washington insert old nickname here, then Washington football team now commanders, and they'll be able to get whatever they want. Like eventually DC, Maryland and Virginia are going to fight amongst each other and they're going to be able to get public money. They'll get the, the land that they want. And RFK site was a little bit different within DC because the, the federal government was involved there the way that all works. It's not state land because it's in the district and we as citizens of the district of Columbia have no rights whatsoever to go and control anything about our lives. I say that as a proud citizen of the district of Columbia with no senators and everything. Um, they, that, that site's definitely a little more complicated, but the thought was that between the Landover site, national Harbor, something in, uh, in Loudoun County, um, this, this site that came out last week down in Dumfries or, or Woodbridge or whatever it wound up being, that there would always be something. And, I, and I'd imagine for you as a guy who played for this team, not at a point where like it was peak fandom, early 90s, right? Like, but still, the fan base, and especially around like Robert's year, was so engaged with this team. Yeah. To think that now 
they are at a point where getting public money and, and public support and politicians don't really want to interact with them. Like, I'd imagine that's, that's weird for someone like you who saw it, you know, when you saw it and when you were here as a player. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. I think, you know, like, I forget who it was, a congressman or a senator or mayor, State governor, senator, Virginia, yeah, 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 all those It was kind of like, you know, it, the, the Washington football team or the commanders are no longer like a viable organization. And that's like kind of crazy to hear that kind of rhetoric around the team. I mean, I understand it. I understand um, where that perspective is coming from, you know, not necessarily from the product on the field, but more specifically from all the kind of stuff surrounding the team over the last probably four or five years. So it has been a pretty marked shift, in my opinion, from something like in 2012, where like literally when that team's winning, this fan base is at its best. Everyone's behind the team. And, you know, it's crazy to think about that was 10 years ago now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That was and uh, where the team's at now. So, um, yeah, the fact that they're even talking about it being like not at RFK is wild to me. You know what I mean? Because when they were talking about this when I was on the team and in, in, uh, from 2010 to 2015, in the off season of 2016, it was like RFK all the way. And now that that's not even on the table, they're talking about places that are way far away, way kind of off the beaten path. Like, I know they were talking about putting some out here in uh, Loudoun County and you know, how do you get out here? You know, there's no real big highway getting out here beside 267. And then obviously there, there is public transportation, but you know, you're going to take seven and it's going to accommodate all that kind of traffic. It just, it's a weird spot for the team to be in. I think, and uh, it's sad for the fans and it's sad for the team and, you know, because they definitely need, I don't think this is up for debate, a new facility. Yeah. And, and even if it ultimately winds up being Landover 2.0, FedEx Field 2.0, like yeah. they need, it can't be FedEx. They can't just like, yeah. uh, let's, let's repaint and, and hang some new signage and, and stuff yeah. like they need, they need to knock it down um, and build a really they would build a new one and then knock the existing one down and, and pave that over for parking or if they want to get more stuff out there. Cause that's the other thing is they want to, they're, they're like hell bent yeah. on building this mini city. And here's the other thing I'll ask you. And then, then we'll get into the OTA stuff. And as I said, we'll get a lot deeper into the story with Kime Phillips yeah. and, and, and others uh, over the next couple of weeks here. Cause this story is developing. The story is far from going anywhere. But I, one thing that I think you can provide even better than I can is the sheer number of people like, cause you interact with so many people as a player yeah. Um, and, and obviously now in your role, like you, you probably even interact with more, like how many, when we talk about like building a, a place that people can work and then ultimately, like if you're talking about the Dumfries site, um, or the Woodbridge site, there's, there's only so much housing in that part too, right. that can accommodate like the kind of housing that players want, which I think is interesting. And I would love for you to touch on like, are, do guys like buy houses? Do they, do they rent? Like what kind like, is it like, yeah, fine, whatever. I'll get an apartment. Or they're like, no, I'm a NFL football player with lots of money. I want a big ass house. Yeah. Like, and then you also have, if it's the combined like practice facility and stadium, and this is what I don't think people fully understand is there's a group of people now that work for the commander's organization that work out of FedEx field. And there's another group of people that work out of the park out at, out in Ashburn. And, if you're going to do one of these combo stadium practice facility, whatever mini cities and, and giant facility, like a lot of teams have, you're now talking all of those people living probably yeah. fairly close to that facility. Obviously people, there are people that will stay where they are because they have kids in school and all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, that is a lot of people that you're looking for housing for restaurants, gyms, all the types yeah. of things that people want when they live somewhere. Yeah, I think with regards to the players specifically, I think there's a desire to want to live 
in a place that's got stuff going on, you know, like these are 20 something old, old football players are in their, you know, early thirties. And those guys, they want something to do, whether it's with your kids, mm-hmm. if you've got kids or if you're like a single dude, you know, or even just like with a longtime girlfriend, you want something going on. Like, so when I first came here to Ashburn, there was nothing, there was absolutely nothing. And guys would get really, I, I, I was okay with that because I'm like a little bit different speed than most NFL guys, but a lot of guys <laughs> are really frustrated. They're like, if I want to go out, I got to drive to Reston. And it's not like Reston's like this crazy happening spot, you know, or love, tight, love or, Reston, live there for yeah, five years, yeah. but like folks in Reston will go into DC. Yeah. And so like, and then you got to go into DC and that's like a 45 minute Uber, maybe an hour and you got to pay for the Uber, you get taxi, whatever you're doing. And it just, and guys weren't happy with it. Right. So, um, you know, obviously you see guys kind of now like living in like great falls guys with a lot of money who can kind of be in between, you know? And so going out to Woodbridge, going out to Dumfries, wherever that is, like what is there around there to get guys, especially priority free agents who want to come and play for the team. Right. It's, it's got to mm-hmm. feel like something you want to do and it can't be contrived because you don't want to see the same people at work that you see when you go out. You know what I mean? You want to go and see something new and be in a safe environment. And quite frankly, like most of the teams I played for, they had separate locations. So Chicago, they practice about two hours north of the city and drive into the stadium on game day. Atlanta, same thing. Um, Houston, same thing. Like, uh, no, Houston, you actually, it's a, it's a combined practice facility. It's across the street. Houston's one of the weirdest cities in America. Yeah, they have no weird. zoning laws. There's stuff everywhere. Yeah, and then, um, and then obviously San Francisco, the practice facility is right outside of the stadium. And so obviously that's like, it's just a weird dynamic. And I kind of liked, honestly, as a player, like living in a different area than the stadium and kind of driving in because it was something different as opposed to just going in on like a Wednesday to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. it, it feel it's just a different feel. So um, I, I think they got a lot of work to do, you know, with this process. And I think it's, I hope it's pretty early stage, you know, because there's a lot of development that still needs to happen. But I think there's a lot to consider if they're if they're trying to go that route. Like I think about some of the best ones, like think about Jerry World just as a comparison. Like he mm. made that a thing. He made that an event. And like you've been to that stadium. It's yeah. unique. It's like a it's like mm. an amusement park. And so you're not going to do that with this one because I think he said he wants between like 50 and 60,000 seats or something like that, not like this Coliseum. So again, it just depends. And like it's not like the one in Vegas that they just built because there's no Las Vegas in Woodbridge or in Dumfries. You know what I mean? So like, what is the draw? And you say, oh, we're going to build a casino. Like one casino does not make a draw. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something to consider. And that's why this stadium building process is so complicated is because, yeah, you can drive a long way. Like the news place out in LA, you got to drive a little bit to get there from LA, but it's in LA. You know what I mean? There's other stuff to do there. Even if, you know, like you can go see a show then pop up to the game. And are you going to drive an hour and a half from DC to, you know, wherever Woodbridge to, to watch? I don't know, especially with the team being what it is right now. I don't know. So something to consider. Yeah. Not to mention the traffic going down that Correct. way is, is brutal on any given day. Um, you know, I, I think that to me, the best stadium in the NFL right now that I've been to, like Dallas was always the king. And then I went to Minnesota. Minnesota's awesome. Minnesota's sick. And, and what I love about it is it is very distinctly the Viking stadium. Cause yeah. even and part of this is just cause the Cowboys colors are pretty bland and neutral. Like yeah. they're silver and blue, like a very plain silver and a very plain blue. So everything is like Cowboys colors, but it feels like it's a very neutral, whatever stadium. Um, now you're in there on game day and like, you're aware it's the Cowboys stadium, yeah. but like with the Vikings, they have the ship and everything's purple. And like the stadium itself is very cool. Cause it's 
right downtown. It's and in then the they, shape like of you a said, have a, kind of it's cool. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's amazing. And then the practice facility for them is on the outside of town. I think right. it's in Eden, Minnesota, or something oh, like right. that. Mm-hmm. So same kind of thing. It's it, that's interesting to hear you say though, because I always thought of it as like. I would hate if I was a player having to drive an hour on game day to the stadium, but there, I, I actually, you know, I never thought of it like like the way you put it, where it's like, oh, this is something a little different and unique. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. some guy, and, I, and I, that was a unique thing to me. Maybe that's because I came up in Washington. And that's what my process looked mm-hmm. like. Hey, on on Friday or Saturday night, you're getting on a bus. You're going to uh, the harbor. You're going to stay downtown. You know, you're going to have your meetings there. Get in the hotel. Good night's sleep. And then up, you know, up the next day, and that was just kind of how I operated. So when I went to San Francisco for the first time, game day felt exactly like regular day. You know what I mean? It was such a it, yeah. there was no variation, and it was really hard for me to kind of gear up for game day because the, the 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 drive was the same, the parking was the same, everything was the same. So having something a little different, um, I, I think it's nice. But again, I'm I might be in the minority there. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's that's really interesting, and that's good perspective. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take Command Podcast here from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. So let's get into OTAs. Uh, And before we can talk about the guys who were there, we need to talk about the guys who were not. And one, we know exactly why he was. And really, the two main guys that were not there, we know exactly why they weren't there. The question is, how big of a deal is it? The first is Terry McLaurin. Superstar wide receiver, one of the best in football, wants a new contract. He's not there. And there was some reporting from Nikki Javala of the Washington Post that kind of the draft was a turning point. And whether that was like a deadline that had been discussed or not, or the fact that they drafted Jahan Dotson in the first round at wide receiver, and he's like, whoa, wait a second. Like, what are you doing drafting first-round receiver? Which, by the way, I don't think is has anything to do with it. And, and in talking to Aaron, like having some reporters on, I had Sam Fortier on 980 last week with me. He doesn't seem to think it was that and didn't want to draw that line. It was just kind of the draft as, as a data point because I think Terry very much knows, hey, that dude, Dotson, if he's good, he can help me. And that's good yeah. because I, I don't think Terry has any, you know, misgivings about the fact they needed more offensive weapons uh, based off of the coverages and everything he's getting last year. So 
long story short, Terry McLaurin wants a new contract. He's going to ultimately get a new contract, I would think. Washington loves to do this stuff last second. I can't tell you why they're obsessed with seemingly doing it last second, but is it a big deal with a new quarterback, especially, and a, by the way, a first-round pick who could be very well mentored by Terry McLaurin that he is not at OTAs? Um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to take kind of the maybe the less controversial route here, and I think you know he came to OTAs. That's very off-brand for you. Yeah, he <laughs> he came to the you know off-season program. He was at meetings. He was there for the installs. The fact that he came to that, I think, shows a certain amount of professionalism and a certain amount of mutual respect. Now, like, I, I want people to envision this, right? Like, rookies aren't making as much money as they used to, right? But they are making significant money. And I don't know what Jahan's contract is, but I'm sure it's probably in, like, the 13, 12-ish type of range of money. And so I think if you're fighting over that kind of money and you're Terry and you see that happen, I think that that might kind of heighten things for you a little bit. It kind of might make you say, wow, it's it's so weird in a contract negotiation situation. Every dollar feels like a personal affront. Because this team, this organization that you've given a lot to, you've given your body to, you've given your mind to, you've given your future health to, you've given your family's time to, is all of a sudden fighting you over... You know, and I'm going to say a big number here, but like 500000 a million dollars, $2 million. And for you as the player, you look at the money that they're just doling out to different positions, like Carson Wentz, for example, giving him $28 million. And you say, that guy hasn't sweat an ounce of sweat for this team. They haven't dripped a drop of blood. And they're giving him that kind of money, kind of no questions asked. Like, why is this taking so long? And those things become very, very personal. And I'm not saying that that's what's going on with Terry, but I remember going through my own process and talking with guys who were going through that process, talking with Julio Jones, talking with Matt Ryan, talking with these guys who were expecting big contracts. And it becomes this very personal thing. Every little thing becomes very personal. So even though it might not be like the line in the sand to draft a receiver, there's something there that kind of puts your cackles on edge a little bit, I would think. And um, Terry's an awesome dude, and I think he's a great pro, and he would never say that. But every action the team takes makes you go, what the hell is going on here? And now from the team's perspective, they also have to renegotiate the whole D-line probably in the next two or three years. And they're trying to keep drawn, I would assume, despite what everyone's saying. Like they're going to try and make that happen. So they're trying to keep Terry as tight as they possibly can from a salary cap number so they can extend some of those guys. But as, a, as Terry, you don't really care about that because you think that your value is X and they're not meeting you at X. And then you see everybody else getting paid these crazy contracts especially at the receiver position like the guy who just signed down in jacksonville um christian kirk no is that his name christian kirk yeah kirk yeah kirk signed, in signed down in yeah. jacksonville and i would if i was terry i would be doing i would be livid that's the minimum i would accept right but right. they overpaid that broke the market right so i, I again I, I don't think it's a big deal he's not here but i i understand if there's some some waves in the water waves in that pool that 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 might be why so uh, two things on, on this. One, from like a purely business negotiation standpoint, I don't get why Washington waits. It seems to be the way this front office operates. Um, by the way, they're not the only one. And the yep. last iteration of the front office did the same thing uh, in Washington. Bruce and, and all those guys did the same thing. Uh, Mayhew and company seem to do this as well. They wait. And they did it with John Allen last year. And the thing is with Terry and the receiver market, all it's done has gone up. Yeah. Like why didn't they? Why didn't they give him what seemed ridiculous on the first day of free agency? Now, for all we know at this point, because we don't one hundred percent know, 
they right. did something similar to this, and Terry and his agent were like, "Now nah, the market's going to go up. We're going to wait. Yeah, yeah. But there's been no reporting of offers, and I feel like something like that would have leaked out. So yeah. as far as we know, there hasn't been like a real offer that, that has been extended that Terry would be willing to sign. And I just don't get why you'd wait for A.J. Brown and you'd wait for Tyreek Hill and you'd wait for all these guys because all that's going to do is push the market up. Because you never sign as the third guy. You always sign as the most expensive guy. Right. And so I, I don't understand why they're doing that. Here's what I'll say about him not being there. It matters some, and you can answer better than me in terms of how much about what I'm going to say. If leadership matters, Terry not being there matters because if say leadership and setting the example and being Terry McLaurin in all the ways that he is Terry McLaurin is worth 2% every practice, every, every practice gets 2% better just because he's there. That means every single practice you have is at best 98% of what it could be. And that's both the individual of Terry and Carson working together, Terry and the other receivers, but also him raising the level of every other guy there because he is one of, if not your single best leader on the team. Now, is 2% going to really cost you a win or a loss in, in the fall? I don't know. But to me, if we think that leadership matters, which I think we'd all agree that it does, it's got to matter at least a little bit that he's not there. So I'm going to go the, I would go the other way. And maybe this is just because we scripted this beforehand. No, I'm just kidding. So what I would say <laughs> is that like Terry, I, I trust Terry implicitly. He's a good pro. He's going to come out. He's going to produce at a high level. I think probably come hell or high water, right? Him not being there, I think is somewhat advantageous for a guy like Carson who can kind of come in and set his own leadership style independent of a guy like Terry, right? I think it's also good because he's not taking away reps from a guy like Diami who needs to take a big jump this year. A guy like Jahan. Now they, they, I remember my biggest periods of growth and the time where I saw the most growth from players was in OTAs, right? And one of the things that Mike did when he was here is you'd have two practices going. We've had the second offense versus the one defense and the second defense versus the one offense. And then we'd be on separate fields. And I got to take every single rep that Chris Cooley got to take or Fred Davis or whoever it was on the one field, right? I got all those reps. And so now they're not doing that same type of practice structure, but in the terms of the receiver room, that is the structure. Curtis Samuels, Diami, Jahan are all getting a ton more reps, you know, because Terry's not here. And then again, Carson is allowed to kind of set his own leadership tone, which I think is important. So, yeah, I think it's important because Terry's a big part of your organization, you know, and I think he's that, that you'd like him here. But in terms of him being ready to go, I have no doubt that he'll be ready to go. And I think in some ways it's good because it forces growth from other positions. So I understand what you're saying 100% um, because he is a big leader on this team. But I do think that because of what you've done this offseason and because of the young pieces you have, it might actually long-term be beneficial for the roster. That's interesting. And and obviously, like even if, even if it's, say, there's a 5% drop-off from Terry not there and you add that 3% back, um, but it's interesting here. You say actually, yeah. you know, in this very short, limited amount of time where yeah. zero games are being played, right. might actually be an addition um, on some level. Um, okay, so that's Terry. Yeah. Then there's Chase, who yeah. would not be participating even if he was there. But it was pretty clear based off Ron Rivera's comments around the draft <clears throat> or combine or whatever it was that he last spoke that he expected Chase Young to be here. It's pretty obvious that Jack Del Rio, based off some things that he said over the last couple of months really likes when players show up for right. the offseason um, because it helps set a tone. It helps, uh, you know, everybody be on the same page, all of that. I get that Chase probably wants to be in Colorado for 
to be with his trainers and doctors and everybody who's helping him rehab his knee. But for a young guy who had a pretty interesting season last year, we'll describe it that way, like how big of a deal, and also, by the way, the relationship between him and the organization, him and the coaches, which seems to be a little fraught, how big of a deal is it that he's not there? To me, this feels like a big deal. And I think the reason is like, the reason it's not a big deal for Terry, but it's a big deal for Montez is, or not Montez, for Chase, excuse me, is that Terry is an established pro whose production is, his resume speaks for itself. There were times where Julio Jones would come to OTAs, but not practice. And I was perfectly fine with that because I knew that Julio (laughs) was going to be ready to go. I knew that if Matt Ryan missed a practice, he'd be ready to go because that's the type of professional that they are. Chase has not had the opportunity to establish that level of professionalism yet, that level of kind of rapport with the organization. And if anything, you'd expect his PR team to be like, hey, man, just show up, just be there because that's what all these coaches want to see. And again, I think OTAs are really important. Again, like because they were important for my career, A, but B, that's an opportunity for everybody to get in the film room together, to get in the meeting room together. They're doing installs now. They're going through their red zone plan. They're going through two-minute. Like they ran two-minute and red zone on Friday or Thursday last week of OTAs, right? Like those things are important, and that you will now have to rehash that. You're behind from a mental standpoint. And I don't really care about the physical stuff necessarily. Although like I train a couple of NFL defensive linemen and I'm like, I can give you all the looks you want. Right. But ultimately like those guys will, even if you're going 80%, will give you a better feel for the timing, the position, the angles that you need to be taking to win at the NFL level. And again, he's not participating in that, but I think that in conjunction with the film room stuff and the meeting room stuff, is a big deal because I don't really care. You might have the best doctor in the whole world in Colorado, but there is the court of public opinion, which just looks bad in. There's the court of the coaches, which just looks bad in. And also it's kind of setting you up again to be a little bit behind where you're expected to be. So again, it's his decision and I support that decision because like he's a, he's a grown man. He can make that decision. Would I make that same decision? Probably not because of the things I just listed, right? The lackluster production last year, I would be in here just trying to show the fan base, A, that I'm committed to the organization, that I'm not what everyone is starting to whisper about me, right? And I would really try to fight hard against that um, perception. And he's not, in my opinion, by not coming. Now, I don't know. I don't have all the details, like like we said, but that's kind of my gut Mm. right now. Yeah, it feels bad. It feels bad. I don't think Ron Rivera is a very good liar, and I don't think that he's actually cool with with Chase not being there. Yeah. you mentioned the fan base there. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Um, and I feel like it's really easy for us in our positions. And I'm, I'm excluding you from this. Us in the media, like actual media people like me. I'm with you uh, now, Because though, you, so. you, I mean, you're with us now. Uh, yeah. You're with me now. Specifically, you're stuck with me right now. But, <laughs> you know, you have the experience at least to go on of like what it's like on the inside. Right. Um, of what it's like to be a player. And so to hear you say, prove to the fan base because players love to say they don't care what the fans say. Yeah. Like they love to be like, oh, they'll, they were with us when we were with us. Our fans are the best. We were winning. They're out there cheering. They gave us a boost today. The second they start winning, like we don't care what they say. Yeah. Like they're, you know, we don't want to see you when we're winning again. Like that, yeah. that old thing. Right. But like you're human. You're going to hear some stuff, especially now with social media, you're going to feel that on some level. Yeah. So how much is a player, do you actually care about what the fan base thinks? I mean, it's, 
I'm going to say it's a bigger part than people think, right? And I, all the fans that are listening to this, like, hear this. These guys are human beings, right? They're kids. Chase is, what, 22 years old? Mm-hmm. And they read their social media stuff. Like, I remember Niles Paul, like, getting after people, wanting to get in fights with people over social media. Like, I just checked some comments of a, of a, of a story I did last week, and someone was very mean to me. And, like, I want to say <laughs> it just rolls off my shoulders. But, again, it's like, man, like... I want to be the best version of myself. You know what I'm saying? And so I think like it does carry a weight. It creates a friction and an animosity between you and the fan. And you never want that. Like the fan is the fan, right? And so what I would say to Chase is get off your social media, like delete everything, light it on fire. But that is not how the NFL works in 2022. The fan pays the bills. Like that interaction is so important, right? And I think like, again, like you are going to catch a lot of heat from those diehard high school football coaches or those, you know, Pop Warner coaches are like, man, you got to practice, you got to be there. And they're going to be blowing up your Twitter. They're going to be blowing up your Instagram. You're going to be upset. They're going to be upset. And then all of a sudden you go from being the fan favorite of the organization to kind of someone who, who's not liked. You know what I mean? And then what does that lead to when it comes to contract extension time? Not good things. You know, like I will say, all the big superstars I was around, they all had great relationships with the fans. They'd stay late. They'd sign autographs. They understood how to play the game. And right now, I don't think Chase fully understands like how the game, the, the, the court of public opinion in the 2022 NFL sphere is working. And I think that's something that's going to come with experience. But again, that's something that if I was, <clears throat> if I was advising him, if he asked me, I would say, man, just show up. It doesn't matter. You're here for three hours. You don't have to go on the field. Who cares if you work out with the trainers here? Just be in the building for this stuff. Now, he might be doing Zoom stuff. He might, but that hasn't come out yet. Like, Ron hasn't said that. Jack mm-hmm. hasn't said that. So I'm just assuming that he's not doing it. And maybe that's not fair. But again, like, if I was advising him, that's what I would say. I'd say, just be here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. You're going to get the playbook. Everything's going to be great. You're not going to practice. But the fans, the people in the building, everyone sees that. Like, I do, I do, I do consulting for people at the Combine, right? People coming out for the draft. And one of the things mm-hmm. I say, their perception becomes reality, right? So if you are there early every single day, you might be taking a nap in your locker. But if the coach sees you getting breakfast at 6.30 and the first meeting's at 8, they say that football is important to that guy. I can trust and invest in this guy. And when I see Chase doing this stuff, it, it, I, it, he's breaking that tenant of advice that I give to kids. Yeah. Do they you trust hear that? you? You hear that, kids? Go go take a nap in your locker at six thirty in the morning. But have like, breakfast, take a nap, and show up on time to your meeting. Just be there. Just be in the <laughs> building. Be doing stuff. Like okay, this is this is a little. We're gonna take a little aside here. So, um, okay. so I went to Atlanta, um, and one of the one of the reasons I was there to, was to mentor Austin Hooper, right? And Austin and I mm-hmm. have the same agent. We've talked a lot. And I got there, and Austin, right when practice ended, would just walk to his locker, shower, and leave. He was like one of the first people to leave. And I said to him, I said, Austin, they see that. And everyone was all over him about, hey, football's not important to him. He doesn't care. We can't give him a contract extension, blah, 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 right? So I said, Austin, just go to your locker, sit on your phone for 15 minutes, go to the training room, get in the, get in the Normatec boots. You know what Normatec boots are, right, Craig? Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, compression what, boots, they, they help your recovery. Yeah, and they're easy. That's what people like, need it's like to the know. easiest type of recovery, right? You just sit on your chair, yeah. you watch TV for 20 minutes, eat lunch, eat lunch after practice, and then go. And he's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, trust me, dude do that do that for a week and i'm not even kidding you my agent got a call from the gm after a week and said man hooper's really dialed in this year and that and nothing changed 
He just was in the building. <laughs> they saw him in the building. Football was important to him. And it's the, it's the same guy. He wants to go home early. But but what was he getting? He was getting a little bit of recovery, right, which he, he wanted to do at home yeah. anyway. He had Norma text at the house. I said, just do that here. Right. And, and just to be yeah. clear, like, he could have been going home so that he could watch film Correct. and his Norma Tech boots Correct. at home and, like, be doing the same exact work at home with a personal chef at home instead of the food at the facility. But the coach sees that. And I'm like, then I'll be like, hey, just go stretch in the, in the weight room for a little bit. And he'd go in there and get the band and stretch a little bit. And the strength coach was like, man. You being here has really helped Hoop out. And I'm like, he was doing that at home. But to see it with your own eyes, to trust it. Think about these coaches, man. They get paid a ton of money, right, to to trust 22-year-old kids. And they, the only way they can trust it is if they see it in the building. So, to me, that's what's happening with Chase right now. They He might be doing amazing work, studying his playbook every day. He might be totally dialed in. But the coaches don't trust it. The fans don't trust it. And as a result, like come time when it's time for me to like scratch your back, I'm going to be reluctant to do it because I don't know what you're bringing to the table. And it's how simple is that stuff? How It's like so stupid. But that's how you get paid in the NFL is doing stuff like that. So Because Hoop, Hoop signed a uh, huge contract in Cleveland, right? Huge contract. Sure did. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Did, did you get any money from that? No, I didn't. I, and my yeah. agent always jokes. He's like, I, I'm going to give you a royalty percentage because like all these guys that I worked with for him. I'm like, man, I'm still waiting on that check, but oh well. Let's go, Steve. Let's go, Steve. You're getting called out on the podcast. Uh, so that actually very nicely brings us to the last guy we want to talk about of the kind of, at this point, he, he's our transition uh, hybrid. He's there, but he's not there kind of guy. Yeah. And that's Jerome Payne. Um, yeah. You know, he does not participate in team stuff last week. Um, so it was initially phrased like he walked off. It's like, yeah, he went over to the side field and stretched because he wasn't doing the team drills. Right. But he's there. He's in yeah. the meetings. He's doing some individual drills. Get it? You talk about like the drills when you're working and you're playing left tackle. Yeah. You know, for a guy that you work with uh, <laughs> as, as a former now retired NFL tight end, he's right. actually getting work against the guards, uh, yeah. which who, some of whom, by the way, we'll talk about uh, in some of the guys who are standing out throughout these OTAs in just a few minutes. But Duran also wanting a new contract. Very unlikely he's going to get one. But he's there. So yeah. what to you like is there is there any trouble with Deron Payne, any problem with what he's doing, any of that stuff? No. No. I mean he's unhappy, he wants to get paid. I understand that. Like this is a business first, right? But he's being a professional about it, right? He might not get an extension. He doesn't want to get hurt now because it's gonna depreciate his contract value. I get that. He's there. He's in the meetings. Like the guys that I train are like, Yeah, he's studying, he's doing what he's supposed to do, he's lifting, he's that's good stuff. That's good process, man. Like, even though you're not happy, you're there. They can't find you. I know that sounds a little jaded for me to say that, but all those things are good. Mm-hmm. I, if I in, a, in a perfect world, I want him to practice. But again, like, I'm, he's there. He's, he hasn't missed a day yet. Yeah. So that's important to me. And I think that um, it's a different situation for sure because he's still under contract for this year. So it's a little weird. He's just he's trying to get an extension. But again... Right. You know, to me, that's but he's critical. also unlike Chase. He's healthy too, right? Like right. he's yeah. he should. He's, it's not like he, you know, Chase, to Chase's defense to right. the extent that you know we're going to defend him. Um, and again, like it is what it is. We just spent a lot of time talking about it. But like Chase is rehabbing an injury, yeah. And he's trying to get back on the field. And ultimately, him being out there healthy is the most important thing because yeah. right. it doesn't matter how much he knows if he's still stuck on the sideline, right? Um, and I think that's probably what he would say now. They've got some trainers and every possible thing you could want in Ashburn. Um, yeah. And those people have cell phones and they can talk to the trainers in Colorado. Right. Um, 
videotape so it, videotape like, it, record it. Yeah, there's like, a lot. There might be a there's guy a lot they could do. In DC, that's excellent. They'd bring him in. I don't like. I've been all sorts of places. Like, like when I was in, yeah. uh, where well, I forget where I was. Like, I don't want to say the name of the team, but I was at a place where no one liked the trainers, and the and the training staff knew that, and they would actually ship in a private PT to do everyone's PT for them. Like that's how they operated instead of hiring that guy. So obviously, teams are willing to work with the player to get what they want to yeah. get done. Right, and that's and why said, that's why this is a little weird. But again, I, yeah. to, to your point, I think that's one hundred percent valid. Chase would probably say that exact thing, and I respect that. But I again, I'm, right. I'm on the fence about it. Right, but that's that's why for Duran, like he should be here. Um, you know, at the end of the day, these guys, I know the pay structures are very weird in the NFL, and that's something else that's like a whole other. That's like a fun yeah. off season podcast for us. Maybe we'll do that yeah, yeah. live. Like, we should, do that. should the NFL switch to a fifty two week a year or a twenty six check pay structure um, <laughs> as opposed to the game checks during the season? Because then yeah. it's easier to be like, hey, you need to be here in the off season. Yeah. Um, but that's a that's a CBA thing. Whatever. Point is, like, Duran is under contract. He's expected to play this year. In order to play his best, being at OTAs is something that would be helpful for him and for the team. So good for him for showing up and him not participating in team drills. No big deal. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, we have 10 minutes left on this here podcast. Take Command is the name of said podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Greg Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform or the one you're listening to right now. For some reason, right now, Logan, folks will be listening on their second favorite podcast platform. I don't know why they do that, <laughs> but wherever you're listening, wherever you want to listen to us, we're there, and you should subscribe. Uh, so here's what we want to do with these last 10 minutes of the podcast. Let's go through, let's pick like three guys. Okay. Studs, and I don't want to go like studs and duds, because that feels harsh duds. on the dud side of it. But, it's uh, the third but day guy, of guys, Yeah. Uh, guys that have performed well, guys, we'll, we'll use the term growth opportunities, guys that have growth opportunities. Uh, right. Let's start off with, with the guys who have stood out. And, and in fact, let's even before we get that, you can tell me which guy, which category this guy goes in. We have to talk about the quarterback. It's Carson yeah. Wentz's first time putting on a commander's uniform. Uh, he's out there. He's taking the one reps. How do he look last week? Yeah, so I'm going to say he looked good. He looked really good. He looked really crisp. I think, obviously, the fact that they were doing... So they do this thing at the end of all the practices where they were calling it from the sideline. So that means the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, Scott, has the mic. He's calling the play, and they're doing live substitutions. And as you know, after covering the team for a long time, that's not something yeah. you usually see till way down the road. Now, teams are trying to get to that earlier in their offseason, but to do that the first day, and Carson look like he had a mastery of it, I think speaks to the way he's been hitting the playbook, which is great. And then, obviously, the, the ball velocity, his mastery. Like, there was an error in one of the other groups. Um, I want to say Taylor Heineke was in there, and Taylor knew it right away. But 
um, Carson like walked over to Scott and like pointed at something. Like obviously he had identified it too, right? So he's dialed in. Mm-hmm. He looked good, looked sharp. I thought there was two or three throws uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of last week where I thought he didn't see the defense well. He threw a pick on one. Uh, but again, in terms of, well, I probably probably had maybe thirty or forty throws over the first three days. I'd say three were, you know, maybe misreads, and all the other ones look pretty crisp. The ball comes out of his hand, nice. He's got nice chemistry with Jahan. I thought Jahan looked outstanding. You know, just from a route running nuance standpoint, we talked about that a lot when when they after in our draft recap show, and they seem to have nice chemistry. And even though he's throwing absolute laser beams, Jahan's got those incredibly soft hands. So. I think he looked really good. I think fans should be optimistic. Again, there's always room for implosions and mental stresses and all that kind of thing. But in terms from physical, a physical tool standpoint, and just a guy who seems to be dialed in, I think you should feel good. And I think they haven't had a quarterback like this in here probably since Kirk Cousins. Like, and I think he's yeah. way Dep- physically. Depends on how you grade Alex out at that yeah. point in his career. And yeah. obviously we know what ultimately happens with Alex, but yeah. From like a physical tool standpoint, even like it's like you almost got to go back to RG3. Like his arm is just a different level and that's fantastic. And I think that's why you paid him 28 million bucks is is for this upside and this upgrade. So yes, good. Stud maybe? Stud-ish? Stud. Stud. (laughs) And let's let's double click on Jahan real quick. Uh, Do you see, here's my big question with him. He's barely six feet tall. Yeah. but But plays a lot bigger on tape. If you watch his college stuff, yes. can you see that at the NFL level already? So he looks small on the field and he's not a big man, but I mean, golly, he is, I don't He's probably the best route runner on the offense right now. And I don't use that lightly. Terry's not here. Um, Curtis is not the most polished route runner. And so Jahan just comes out there and is looking very, very crisp right out the gate. Like he had a route on the second day where he's running a, a big out. So like a 12 yard outcut, kind of a corner ish type route versus man off man coverage. So he stems in, it looks like he's running a high cross. So going across the ball, across the formation, he gets up mm-hmm. the, the, the Bobby McCain weaves to match. He does a little double stick at the top. Bobby breaks on the double stick and he comes out like why the amount of space he created was just brilliant. You know, that's something you see from vets. And so the fact he's doing that out the gate is pretty good. Um, he does have a huge catch radius for a small guy, right? Like Carson put one like kind of up, up and behind and he just jumped up and there wasn't anybody around him because the route was so good, but jumped up, contorted and made it look like an easy catch. So he does have like this nice body control. I didn't really see him open it up the way I wanted to. It was wet the first day, second day. Again, like his get off's not great, but I, sometimes he's doing it for timing because it just he's thinking about routes and that really high level. So I would also say stud. I want to see again. I want to see a little bit more, um, just from like a, a movement standpoint, but from a route running, catching the ball standpoint, which is things he did really well in college. Stud. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up your guy, Curtis Samuel. Again, this is a quick note, okay. right? Lining up in the quick backfield. Note. Lining up in the backfield as a running back. This at this point in the OTAs, getting jet sweeps. Lots of screens, kind of that Swiss Army knife Debo Samuel piece that I think we've all been waiting for and wanting to see. So again, I think that's again for them to be doing that now is very very exciting. Guards, yeah, and I think by the way it's telling of something that I thought all year last year they wanted to have this be a large part of their offense, yeah, and they never figured they could do it without Curtis. And that's a that's like a different debate of whether that was a good move or not. Like if that's yeah. such an important part of your offense, you got to figure out someone else who can do right. that stuff but um i think that is a large part of what they want to do like they want to major in using curtis samuel as either a decoy or as a weapon with the ball in his hands in right. a variety of ways all right uh the guards 
uh, speaking of former Carolina guys, yeah, uh, at least at least in a couple cases, uh, what what do you see from them? Because you know you said you were a little nervous watching some of their yeah. their tape that these guys might have been at the end of the road, and th- yeah. this might have been Ron falling in love with guys who who he saw a lot of years ago play really well for him, but. You were impressed. Uh, with yeah, so, I mean, obviously, three days of OTAs, you know, it's not like there's a huge sample size, but I will say that, sure. you know, Norwell, Turner, they really, really, really understand what they're trying to do from an offensive run game standpoint, and they're athletic enough in the past game that make you think, oh, okay, they're, it's not it's not passed them by yet. Now, they're not getting all these bull rushes, they're not in pads, all that stuff, but, you know, just as an example, they're running a tight zone left, and they do this thing in this in this run scheme where they're always pointing it plus one, right? So instead of pointing it to the actual mic where most teams would point the run game, they would point it to the will. So everyone, all the double teams get really, really flat. But these guys, because they've been in the system before and they understand how it works, they understand that if that's running away and that that player's vacating, we can now start bouncing back on double teams, which creates tremendous seams. It's almost like this poetry. It's great. Like, And they both get it. Their eyes are there, and all of a sudden they're snapping back, and then all of a sudden Turner's in a double team with Cosme on the on the pinching four technique, right? That is a huge running hole, and then he's working to the safety, and then the the Will linebacker's unblocked, even though that's who they targeted. So seeing this kind of final form of the run game kind of made me go, oh, well maybe this is the value add of getting these older guys in here who've been in the system before because they get it. They understand how this works, right? If you can't get there... Don't chase it. Let's bounce these back. And I've never really seen anything like that in the run game. So that's kind of cool having guys across the board who are athletic athletic enough and understand mentally enough to kind of get there. And I had a conversation with John Allen in between meetings the other day. And he said, man, they've been outstanding to work against. And he said he feels like they're getting him better. You know, they're both like kind of former Pro Bowl or Pro Bowl alternate type guys. So they have a lot of tricks. And that's always cool when the O-line and D-line can kind of elevate each other, which is which is fantastic. So... Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, by the way, running back standing out. Uh, you love yeah. what you've seen from the rookie so far. Yeah, the rookie's fantastic. I mean, Gibson's looked really good, too. He looks like he's really hit the weight room hard, very thick in the lower half. I, I'm excited to see what he's going to be. But also, I think uh, Brian Robinson, again, like one of the things that stands out to you about him on tape is his vision and his ability to make blockers right. So, like, just as an example, like if I'm if I'm a blocking tight end or I'm playing fullback and I'm leading up on the safety, I'm trusting that the back is going to press my back, the back of my body, long enough that the that the safety has to run right into me because I'm not athletic enough to like dance with that guy in space and and block him. So Brian Robinson understands that really well. You'll see him kind of on inside zone. He'll work right, work right, shoulders stay in square, shoulders stay in square. And then at the last possible second, he'll work back to the cut block. And he's just a big physical guy. He's got outstanding feet in the short area. I think he's going to be a really nice Value add again three OTA practices, so don't get too carried away. I'm talking to myself here, but again, a, a big physical <laughs> dude with great feet and a guy that gets you excited for a guy who's going to hit a whole bunch of singles and doubles on first, second down, and make that offensive line a better blocking surface, and then can like bring that together with Turner and Norwell. That's again early on, but it's exciting. Considering how bad this team was in third down last year, and in large part because they often found themselves in third and terrible, yeah. uh, third and seven, third and ten, third and thirteen, a guy who can hit singles and doubles on first and second down right. is Big like, deal. that is that should be music to heavenly music to fans' ears. <laughs> um, 
let's wrap up with the tight end group and we'll get to oh, the yeah. defense on Thursday's pod. Um, that way we can, we can go long on some of the defense as opposed to trying to cram it all in now. Um, and also that gets you a couple extra days because there's, I, I will say, um, so the fans know there's been some things like Cam Curl playing in the Buffalo nickel and, yeah. and some guys in positions that you're like, Hmm, I want to see if that lasts. So we'll have yeah. another week of data to talk about the defense on Thursday's pod. But one, no Logan Thomas. Two, Antonio Gandy-Golden now in that group. Yep. And then you have the guys that I think everyone's kind of focused on for now, John Bates and, and on down. So uh, what have you seen from Bates? We'll start there because currently he is the top of the depth yes. chart. And then who else stood out beyond him? So Bates is just Mr. Consistent, right? You know, a guy who's not going to win with a ton of flash, not the fastest guy in the world, but excellent in the run game, and then catches the ball when you throw it to him. Got nice soft hands, and to me, perfect blocking Y. The problem with the offseason right now is that there's no F, right? They're, or they're auditioning people for F tight end. So you look at it and you say, well, who is it? And, you, you know, AGG's a converted wide receiver. I thought he had a slow start to the week, but they did two-minute. He looked really good as a two-minute tight end, and they had a, they kind of worked a play-action pass where he's running a high cross and was just able to run away from coverage in a way that most tight ends can't. So, and scored a touchdown, you know, touchdown in OTAs. You know how that looks. But, again, like, yeah. that's nice. Again, long way to go just from, like, a blocking and understanding angle standpoint. Um, not close, but you see enough – on that third day to go say because I was ready to write him off say there's no way he can do it but he's there's enough there that make you think maybe I think the guy to be really excited about the guy that had a nice first two days third day was okay is uh, Cole Turner looked really really good you know everyone Ron kept talking about his catch radius how good it was and you kind of say yeah he's a little stiff college DB he had a couple catches where it's like balls way behind him he's running like a dig or like across the middle a basic 12 yards and the defender's there. He reaches in front of the defender, spins, open up, and like that thing sticks to his gloves like glue. And you know that is why they brought him here is for that kind of stuff. And so they had a little miscue in the red zone on like a jerk route on the third day. But again, like that is what you're going to see from him: a six-six size matchup who can win with his body. And again, respect to this staff because this was not a good year for F tight end. So I thought there's no way they're going to go that way. They're going to go free agent. But I remember talking to one of the coaches, and he said, "Well." Guys who can win with their body are, are big advantages for us, and that's what Cole does. And I think he's I think he I don't want to say a lock, but as close as you're going to get to a lock to make this team and contribute as a as a, as a rookie right out the gate. Hodges, real quick, I know we got to get out of here, but Hodges is a guy that I like a ton. And in the third day, he played outstanding. He's big. He's six eight. He's got a thirty five inch vertical. He's been competing well in line. You can tell there's a little bit of mental gymnastics he's going through, but runs well in space, catches the ball really nicely. So all of a sudden, man, you've got three kind of freaky tall – and Rodgers, the kid from Ohio, he's he's the, probably the rawest, the most green of the group. But again, you've got three young dudes who are big, physical, athletic kind of freaks guys. And I've never been a part of a tight end room where I've looked at the bottom three and said, those guys can play football in the NFL at some point in their careers. And it's been three days, so everyone calm down, me included. But – those <laughs> those three guys, I think, make that group really interesting because right now, if you're if you're if you're signing a team today, Cole's on the team, uh, Hodges is on the team, and you feel pretty good about that, which is crazy to say, but and it's almost an upgrade over Sam East. Like it's it the room just got so interesting with those guys. Yeah, and that was that was the other guy I was wondering about is with Sam East, like still so raw, yeah, all that athletic talent. But now you have a bunch of some other guys that are kind of competing for similar spots. Yes. And so you hope that that competition raises the level in the room. Sounds like it is. And, and we'll see that uh, more as we go. All right. Speaking of as we go, Thursday, 
we will be back. Uh, yep. We will talk about the defense, and we will ha- talk about what has transpired over the next couple of days of OTAs once they get back from the holiday. And uh, we might have John Kime, too. It would be so, great. What a pod. Yeah, what uh, Which a pod. probably means you, you should subscribe. <laughs> Again, subscribe wherever you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, and we will see you then. For Logan, I'm Craig. Thanks for listening. This is Take Command from Odyssey Sports. Thank you.